Welcome to Coffee and Closers. I'm Nikolai Bedor, and I want to personally invite you to join me and one of today's top performing sales stars for a cup of coffee and authentic conversation. And our collective goal is that you will walk away with tangible knowledge that you can apply to your sales efforts today. Are you ready? Grab a cup, fill it up, and let's get into another episode of Coffee and Closers. Closers, welcome to another episode of Coffee and Closers. For those of you that I have not met, I'm Nikolai Bedore. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer of Closers Media and your host on today's journey called Coffee and Closers. For those of you thinking, what does Closers Media even do? Well, we've developed a virtual sales system that's designed to help B2B sellers and founders how to create real relationships and then how to turn those new friends into paying customers um, over Zoom and over phone. That sounded, it sounds inter- interesting. Hit me up directly at MikolaiCloseMedia.com or you can head over to our website and kind of begin the exploratory process there. All right, back to the show. So I am so excited to introduce today's guest to you guys. Uh, he's a legend and I'm sure many of you already know him, but for those of you that don't, he doesn't just make prospecting look easy, he makes it look fun. Jason Bay's Chief Prospecting Officer over at Blissful, Blissful Prospecting. Can't believe I did that. I love that name, Blissful Prospecting. Check him out. Sales, uh, like myself, like many of you, is the only adult job we've had. The difference is Jason has sold in some of the hairiest environments ever, from door to door. He is sold in call centers. And today, he's teaching people how to master the cold outreach, how to, how to have fun with it, and, and really achieve results only he can teach. Um, please put your hands together, close the community, for Mr. Jason Bay. What's going on, man? I'm excited to be here. Oh man, I've been waiting for this one. I can't tell you if I had a nickel for how many people have told me in the community, if you got a Jason Bay on the show, I'd have, I'd have a decent amount of nickels. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> that's, that's good. Maybe 95 cents, something, something like that. <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe buy, you know, maybe a Snickers bar. Get some tissue rolls, you know. You <laughs> well, yeah. thanks for being on the show. I, I know the chat box, no doubt, is, you know, it's, it's lighting up right now. Um, but, um, you know, for those of you that don't know you, would you mind kind of tell us, I love the, I love that this is your first adult job. I love that in your bio, but tell us yeah. a little bit about your sales story and, you know, a little bit about the, what's behind the hustle. Yeah, for sure. So the way that I got into sales is, is kind of interesting. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. So I watched a lot of CSIs you could imagine. And I was like, dude, it'd be, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to like, you know, fight crime, carry a gun around, kick down doors, analyze the evidence, put the bad guys in jail. Yeah. And uh, I went to a small college in Oregon called Southern Oregon University. And I took a you know forensic science class. I got to like shadow someone. I was like, wow, this person does like one part of that job and they sit in the lab all day. And there's two of them in the entire state of Oregon. So I was like, I got to find a different career. And someone came into my classroom and talked about, uh, you know, hey, work for this company called Works Painting, run a house painting business, make $10,000 over the summer. I was like, okay, cool, you know, sign me up. And uh, fast forward to that spring and summer, uh, I, I didn't know that I was gonna be going door to door, you know, to sell this stuff. So I'm going door to door in my small hometown of Brookings, Oregon, 5,000 people. And I was just like, I was so scared, man, to go door to door. I was very shy, you know, I'm, I'm introverted. And the only thing I'd done door to door was selling like candy bars to make money for like our basketball team. You know what I mean? So the thought of going door to door and and talking to people that I know getting rejected was just very frightening. I ended up getting a couple of my friends to come out with me and we just like, we killed it, dude. We got like 120 people to sign up over a weekend. 
Um, I did really well that year. Uh, I made like $27,000 for school, you know, over that summer. So I was like, dude, I love sales. You know what I mean? Um, so that was my first sales experience. The sales part, the marketing part was a little, little tough, you know, the door to door, but the sales part came pretty natural to me actually. Um, and then I spent three years with them as a sales manager. After that, I spent three years, um, starting an outbound call center for them with 20 reps and a call center manager. And that brings us up to around 2013, 2014, I left to, you know, consult and do my own thing. And that's sort of how we got into blissful prospecting was all the consulting work I was doing. I noticed that, you know, everyone seemed to know that they needed to do more prospecting and everyone kind of hated doing it, you know? So I've been on a mission to really help people, you know, with a framework to make it repeatable and, um, a way to be a little bit more human and make it a little bit more fun and remove the suck uh from prospecting at the same time dude i love this i okay i have uh, some questions that i was asked to ask you like this is just my you know questions there's a lot of people that want to know some stuff from you but you said something very interesting and and for for you for our listeners who tune in uh each and every month you said something introverted we have had um some folks uh james carberry if you know him from sweetfish and some other i was just listening to his interview on your podcast actually yeah oh right on yeah so I didn't know that. And um, I just find that fascinating because blissful prospecting, like people loathe prospecting because mm-hmm. they got to reach out to new people. But as an introvert, which I did not know until right now, how do you how did you find uh, uh, joy in in prospecting as an introvert? And just for the rest of us, how do you find joy in something that most people can't stand? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think introversion is really misunderstood, actually. Uh, okay. You know, a lot of introversion and extroversion, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a scale, right? People are usually a combination kind of, of, of both, but, uh, really introversion and extroversion has to do with how you re-energize. So it doesn't mean that cause I'm introverted, I don't like socializing. It just means that when I want to re-energize, um, I don't want to be around a bunch of people. I want to be by myself, <laughs> you know, or around my wife, you know, kind of thing. Whereas an extrovert, what they might find uh, energizing at the end of the week is to go out with a bunch of their friends and go out and celebrate and like do that kind of thing. So uh, for me, uh, having a conversation, like connecting with someone and then getting them to potentially see a different perspective that they didn't have or to get them to buy something from me and like to do that willingly is like an extremely rewarding uh, experience to be able to influence someone uh, like that and to educate them. So I, I just, I get a lot of joy at it. It's my, it's my favorite thing to do in the world. Um, in terms of like the prospecting piece, um, I think that if you approach prospecting, not with like, I need to get something from this person, where a lot of people, if you ask them, well, what's the purpose of making a cold call? They'll say to get a meeting. I'm like, well, not necessarily. I mean, what do you need to do to get a meeting? You need to have a conversation with a person. So why don't you make that the mission, starting a conversation with someone and think about, well, how do I start conversations with people? You know, I probably wouldn't approach you, Mikolay, if we were out in public and just start talking about myself the entire time about how awesome I am, right? I probably wouldn't like approach you like that in a networking event. But what I might do is, uh, hey, my name's Jason. That first time here, how'd you hear about the event? I would ask you questions and I would talk about you. So why don't you just take that same approach with prospecting? I mean, I think that people, because it's a sales activity, we put our sales hats on. That's an actual expression, right? And we feel like we have to be something that is not human. <laughs> well, we prospect. 
when it's really like if you make it about them and starting a conversation about them, you actually do a little bit of research. It can it can be pretty fun, actually, yeah. um, if you approach it that way, because most people respond pretty well to that. You're going to have the occasional one out of 10 people just not like you because you're cold calling them. Right. But when people can tell that you've put in effort, like, dude, they understand that prospecting is like a hard job. You know, I mean, like, think about, uh, you know, the biggest fear that people have is like public speaking. Right. I, I would put cold calling like up there, too. Like going door to door or cold calling over the phone is a very frightening experience for most yes. people because you put yourself in this position where someone could reject you. And like, that doesn't feel good. And the goal is to not make rejection feel good. It's probably not going to ever feel good. Um, it's to just reframe the purpose of why you're actually doing it and what you're trying to accomplish in the first place. Well, so, I mean, safe to say, right? Like I, I'm, we, so I've always been on the conversion side of things. So I have been a prospector and we, we have a system right now that we've developed that makes me comfortable prospecting because it wasn't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was a key account director for most, most years. So I, I had a set of list of clients and my whole job was to earn their, a lot of times was put out fire. You know what I mean? Like we, we, it was it was basically take territories that I had to flip, but like hadn't seen revenue in like five years and people hate us because I worked for these big yeah. tech companies. I love being a startup because no one's hurting you. So you have, you have only up to go. Right. Um, but I've always, I've always appreciated uh, what you, like your skill set. now. So, so if I sound naive with this question, I apologize, but what you, you said a lot of great nuggets right there, but I, I'm also hearing mindset. Like mm. what are key habits that I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I think that prospecting for me, I get nervous. So is there a mindset or a way to develop kind of a healthy, like key habits maybe that people do to, to develop that strong prospecting mentality um, day in and day out? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. I have a framework. I, I call it the call reluctance minimizer and it's, it's based off of uh, pattern interruption. So pattern interruption, um, not in the sales context, but pattern interruption in like uh, psychotherapy is used to help people overcome trauma or not overcome deal with trauma um, addiction, bad habits, that sort of stuff. So it's about interrupting your own pattern. So there's kind of like four parts to that process. Like step number one is identifying the pattern. That's the easy part, right? Uh, I don't like to pick up the phone. <laughs> I get really nervous, uh, et cetera. Right. The, yeah. uh, second step is to like pinpoint the trigger. So this is where things kind of get pretty interesting. So I don't know, like, Hey, when you've done this before and you didn't feel comfortable with it back in the day, I don't know how long ago that was for you, but what were some of the things that you would tell yourself? You know, if you could remember back in the day when this is like an activity you did not enjoy. I'm just going to be, I mean, the, the, our audience knows I'm a, I'm an open book. Um, I, here's, okay. Here's what my mentality was. And this is, I think why sales, I love it so much is I had credit card debt from living out in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't grow up in a family where we talked about money or politics. It was just like, so a compound interest was like a foreign thing to me till it caught up with me and I was like oh damn so for me it was like oh you'll hire me and I get commission yeah you know what whatever it is so that was it so I don't know if that's a I don't know if I can say mindset I what I told myself is if you don't get yourself out of this hole you're never going to get married because you know you're yeah. never, you're gonna have no friends I mean like I, that like so it was almost like self-deprecating like get your butt in gear and what I would do is I would put my credit card bill in my cubicle and I would just I stare this. at it all day long. So I know that answers your question, but that's why I'm, I'm genuinely curious about, about how to talk yourself into, all right, pick up this yeah. thing, go, go, go. I've never yeah, done. so that that's really interesting. I mean, you have like a, a, a pretty big why, right? And I've experienced twice in my life 
racking up $30,000 in credit card debt before I was married. So I, uh, I, I hear you on that, dude. Um, so most people, what they, uh, what I hear is when they're afraid to make these calls, when they feel reluctance, it's a combination of two things. It's, um, they don't feel good about what they're going to say. So they have no idea how they're going to approach it, which we can talk about. Uh, the second thing is they tell themselves like that, uh, stuff like this. Well, why would I call Bob when he's 20 years, my senior and I'm 25 years old, just fresh out of college. Like, why would he listen to me? Uh, oh, Debbie, uh, she's been a CEO for 20 years. Like, what could I possibly tell her that she doesn't already know about her business? Yeah. Or I get the, uh, God, the, people are pr they're probably just going to be a jerk and hang up on me. So people oh. tell themselves all of these kind of things, right? This is what I hear when I do. I do trainings in front of groups of two people. And I've done trainings in front of groups of 150 reps, wow. companies big and small that you would recognize. Uh, and they all say the same thing, man. There's all of this like reluctance because of fear of rejection, essentially. So what you can do, so when you pinpoint the trigger, like really think about and be really mindful about what you're thinking in those times where you start to experience call reluctance and you don't want to pick up the phone. What's the story that you're telling yourself? So the third thing that you can do is derail and replace it's called. So what you can start doing is instead of fighting the fear that you have, so uh, oftentimes, um, depending on how old you are, uh, for, for men, what we got in sports growing up playing football was don't be a, you know, P word, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. Don't be a wussy, you know, suck it up. Um, I'll tell you what, most people that I encounter when I ask them, they don't really respond that well to like that type of motivation right? Like get over it, be positive. It's not that big of a deal. That doesn't really usually help very many people. Yeah. Um, what does help though, and this is part of that pattern interruption is like accepting the fact that you're, that it scares you. So like when I, uh, when I do a webinar in front of like, we just did one in front of like 300 people. Um, dude, I get really nervous for those. I get really nervous because I don't, I don't like, I want to make sure they get a lot of value from it, man. I don't try to fight the imposter syndrome. I don't try to fight the voice in my head that says, dude, you better not F this up because these are a lot of people and it'd be kind of embarrassing and that might be really bad. Like, I just accept that this is the fact that like, that's how I feel. So don't fight the feeling, right? Accept it. Uh, and what you can start thinking about is like, instead of arguing logically with like how well this is gonna go or how bad it's gonna go, just ask yourself, is this helpful? Is this helpful that I'm actually like thinking all of these negative things? And you're probably going to say no. And then lastly, what you can do in this derail and, and replace. Um, so this is another part. It's going to sound maybe kind of hokey that uh, this is also a part of that uh, pattern interruption. This is what therapists do is like you kind of give this call reluctance a character. So have you seen the movie Borat? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So my character is Borat. So really? I separate myself. Uh, from the imposter syndrome or whatever it is. And I just give that a character. So I'm trying to separate my reality, what's actually going on in front of me uh, from how I feel. So literally I will imagine Borat and be like, you better not mess this webinar up, Jason. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> and it makes me laugh exactly like that. And it's kind of cheesy, but this is a technique they use to help people like uh, with trauma and like the addiction. It's like separating the feelings you have around this from the reality. So this is a really in-depth kind of way to tackle reluctance, but that's the first thing I would do is like really pay attention to like, what am I feeling and thinking? And is it helpful for me to think that or not? And then having a little bit of fun with that and trying to give this thing a character. 
And then the fourth step is just, you know, practice, like make it a habit, right? So if you can do that a couple times, it'll happen pretty naturally. Like before the webinar that I did this morning, it just like, I didn't even really have to think about it too much because it was a pretty much a habit. So don't, don't fight the fact that you have the call reluctance, like courage is, and bravery is really acting in spite of the fear. It's, it's not the absence of fear, right? So that was kind of a long-winded explanation, man. But like with call reluctance specifically, if you experience that, just know that it's really normal. And like probably three quarters of the companies I work with, three quarters of the salespeople experience it. Oh, that was fantastic. I'm not even going to look at the chat box. I'll be like, hey, should we have Jason come back? Because I know we're going to run out of time. I told you this. Um, but anyway, with that, okay, so 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 thank you for that. Because that really, that, that was such a great explanation. And I think it helped me. And I hope it helped a lot of people at home. Um, but with that, so I was at Concur. That's where I was when I got back into kind of the, the cold calling thing. Um, was, okay, so I don't know how to, I'm, I'm trying to ask this a better way, but like, so we, we covered mindset, but what about, what are some tricks or ways that when you're doing, let's say we used to have like 30 dials a day, 30 dials. I don't know if they still do that anymore or not. It's been a while, but, um, yeah, they definitely, you know, yeah. 30 dials a day and you, and you, you, you did dial so all your voicemail, 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 and then you get someone you're like, like what advice do you have on not doing that? Cause I know I used to do that. I get caught off guard when I actually got a hold of somebody. Yeah. Well, I think you need to have a talk track prepared. So you, you, you need to know and be prepared for the person to pick up and, and know uh, approximately what you're going to say. So if you look at the cold call, you want to break it up into three parts. There's an intro, there's a hook, and then there's a close. So the purpose of the intro, this is like the first 10 or 15 seconds of the call, is uh, really you want to grab the person's attention and get some sort of permission-based opener in there. And the first 10 or 15 seconds of the call, I suggest, is highly scripted. I wouldn't veer off like from a script at all. I would literally get good enough to where you can like say the same exact thing over and over and over again. So there's a couple parts to that intro. You want to remove the surprise. So always introduce yourself and your company. That's the very first thing a prospect's thinking. Who the hell is calling me and what do they want, right? That's exactly what they're thinking. Hopefully I can use a little profanity on here. Um, so <laughs> who's calling? What do they want? And then uh, you're going to ask them for permission. So you're going to use what's called a permission-based opener. So it's going to sound something like this. Um, uh, hey, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Uh, look, I know I probably caught you in the middle of something, but you got a minute. I could tell you why I'm calling and then you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. So that permission-based opener is some sort of empathy around like what I think they're probably thinking or feeling. I know I probably caught you in the middle of something. If I call you in the morning, that line might be, uh, hey, I know it's 8 a.m. You probably got a ton of meetings scheduled the rest of the day, so I'll make this quick. And then you're going to ask for a specific amount of time and then permission. Uh, do you got 30 seconds? I could tell you why I'm calling. You can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Uh, Sandler Training kind of came up with upfront contracts, and this is kind of an adaptation of, of that. So I would get like really comfortable with whatever that is. We also have people say, uh, uh, hey, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. I'm cold calling you right now, but I promise to make it quick. Do you got a minute? I'll tell you why I'm calling. And you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Some people have like a lot of fun with it uh, that way as well. So some sort of permission-based opener, eight or nine times out of 10, I've listened to hundreds of these recordings in the last month and make these calls myself eight or nine times out of 10, the person will be like, okay, cool. What do you got? That is, I love, I love those. So I want to, I want to, I want to keep going on this though. Um, I'm guessing just the way you took a couple br breaths there. Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed that cause you've probably been in this for so long. And at some point, somebody taught you or you developed those breaths and those pauses and those things. 
is that is that by design or did I just catch absolutely like yeah like how would I talk to you you know I probably wouldn't be like hey man my day was really kind of crazy how was your day I wonder what you've been up to like how was work dude you know like you probably wouldn't talk like that again I'm just going to come back to like just how you would normally converse with someone like oh hey man how's it going what's up you know like there's these there's natural pauses like so um, what I would really do is like when you have your script is like really figure out like where you can like emphasize certain things. I remember my script when I go door to door to sell house painting it, and we would emphasize certain words. Uh, hey, my name's Jason. I'm a student at Oregon State University. I was coming by because we're going to be painting a lot of houses this summer in your neighborhood. Have you thought about getting an estimate to paint your home? Right. It's very slow, deliberate. I'm emphasizing house painting. Right. So. Yeah, just kind of think about how you would talk about it in your normal conversation and don't try to string a bunch of words together because like I've listened to these recordings. That's the other tip I have is record your calls and listen to them because you'll listen to it and you're just like, wow, when I talk like that, it's really hard for the other person to understand me. It's, it starts to sound like Charlie Brown, you know, the, the adults and Charlie Brown was like, you know, like to the prospect. So like be slow, deliberate. It also doesn't sound like a sales call when you do it that way. Hey, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. How are you doing today? Like, if you talk like that, you sound like a freaking salesperson. You know what I mean? Hey, this is Jason. I'm with Blissful Prospecting. Hey, I know, look, I probably caught you in the middle of something, but you got a minute for me to tell you why I'm calling and then you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Oh, I, you know, this episode is going to be something like I'm the worst. I actually watch and listen to more of this than I probably should consider I host it. But like I, those lines that you just used right there are, I've never heard before. You know, like she got a lot of meetings, you know, coming up, um, you know, I probably caught you in the middle of something, but like, you know, cause you hear the, 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 Jace, the, the Josh Braun stuff and you hear the, the Ryan Reiser stuff and you hear a lot of the stuff out there, right. The 27 second thing, but, but what you just said, and I like that, I think that's neat, but I've never heard that. And, and what's funny about what you just says, it's, it's just real. <laughs> yep. There's no sales, anything. It's just, it's just, it's, it's not cheeky. It's just real. You probably, it's, Probably got a lot of meetings. It's 8 a.m. You know, yes, I, I do. What is this about? Yeah, 30 seconds. I'll tell you why I called or whatever, you know, 60 seconds. That was yep. brilliant, man. So for me, I'm a conversion specialist. Um, you know, we, we have our system for the up top funnel stuff, but we really, we really excel as teaching people how to, how to make it rain on the back end. Um, and that's partially because that's what I did my whole life. So just like you had a system. But the things that we, that I really picked up, you just said is, um, kind of setting that up front, you know, being real up front, you know, for, for my deal is I want to get all the ugly, hard stuff up, up front. Right. Cause by the time I get engaged, um, generally people are aware they've done their research. They, they have uninterest, they have unneed at what variant, at what level we'll find that out. But all those kind of things would say, you know, let me set the table and how the next 30 minutes are going to go. Um, and at the end, kind of a Sandler ask, we do a Sandler ask version too, but just to make sure that these are the things that you might be concerned about. We get cost and, and investment up front so that people can have a chance to really think on it, you know, and we have a chance to defend it. You talk ranges, right? And, and when you prospecting, I've never heard somebody in a conversation like we just had do what you do that way. So if you guys are listening at home, I hope you took some notes there because um, we're recording this so I can listen to it again and write those down. Those are going to be my new prospecting uh, um, intros. So thank you for that. Those are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this quick, like the psychology is give the person their autonomy, allow them to opt in to the experience, give them a choice. Yeah. Most, most people just try to steamroll. As soon as they get someone that's like, Oh, got someone on the phone, dude. You know? And then it's like, I got to dump all this stuff on them. 
when you should do the exact opposite. You should actually slow down when you get someone over the phone and allow them to engage. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a joy to listen to you do what you do, man. You're so good at it. Um, so being the receiver of, especially when, when, when I was in the, the key account stuff, um, I got a chance to work with some, some of the best BDs, BDRs in existence, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, they're great. I'm guessing, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that you probably coach people in that scenario where right now they're a BDR. So they don't get a chance to convert. They don't get a chance to have that qualification, bring it to close. Um, what is advice you have for people right now that are listening that are in that pass off or handoff role on how to really get, who are comped and metric on quality appointments that the AE is going to then close, right? Um, what advice do you have on almost guaranteeing that every meeting that you pass on um, is going to get you that, is going to get you bonus? Yeah, so this is a really great question. So the way that I grade someone's ability, um, part of it is like how, uh, like the percentage of qualified opportunities that you set up for your AE. So just so you know, the best companies that I've seen do this, 90% of the meetings the BDR set up for the AEs turn into qualified opportunities. What, 90, That's kind of what a- uh, it was? 90%. 90%. So Damn. nine out of every 10 uh, meetings they set up turn into uh, an- or, uh, or sorry, not turn into an opportunity, uh, turn in, are, are accepted, a sales accepted lead, right? They are qualified enough to move to the next stage in the CRM. That may be opportunity for some people, maybe demo for some people, whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of the thing you need to think about. There's two things. Uh, one, people don't believe you shouldn't, uh, people believe you should not do discovery in a cold call. I call total BS on that because if I just cold call you and say, hey, um, you know, I help companies with their sales training. I'd love to set up with uh, a time with you later this week to chat. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And I set that meeting up. How likely are you to actually show up when you have like no reason for showing up? So you don't need to like pepper them with questions. But in the middle of that cold call, uh, I suggest doing what I call question stacking. And you need to ask questions around the problem that they might be having. So for example, uh, I work with a company that helps uh, other companies like sort of outsource their customer support. That's a huge pain point. If their customer support's overburdened, they're not getting back to people quick enough. Those people are buying products from their competitors. So the big thing that that they'll do is they'll like mystery shop and figure out how long the response time is. So one of the questions is, um, hey, you know, we mystery shopped you in about 800 companies like yours. And one thing I was kind of surprised to find is it took about 12 hours to get a response to chat uh, from you guys, from our mystery shopper. And, you know, I think, I know things that can get really busy, but how does that compare to what you normally see? So I'm like doing a couple things there. So with question stacking, I'm able to accomplish empathy because I'm showing you that I know your world, right? I'm able to also establish like some social proof, like I'm mystery shopping you and like a bunch of other companies. And I'm also able to educate you. So if you can do one or more of those things, empathize with them, educate them, or display some sort of social proof, um, it's gonna put you in a position where they're talking about a problem maybe they didn't know that they have, and they, they're gonna feel like they're driving the conversation. So if you can ask a series of questions like that, what's going to happen, and you only need two. So like two really good questions around that. Um, this creates a need for that third step in the cold call, the close, to actually do a meeting with you. So like what I'm gonna say then is, um, oh, Awesome. Um, so what I heard today was that, you know, it takes 12 hours for you to get a response. That's not normal. It should be three hours. And one of the biggest challenges you're having in doing that right now is just, it's really hard to staff up and down around seasonality in your business. Did I miss anything? No, or yeah, here it is. So I'm going to summarize what they said. And then I'm going to say, Hey, can I make a quick uh, suggestion? 
sure. You know, how about we unpack this a little bit more when I'm not cold calling you in the middle of your day? Get your calendar handy. And then we're going to set up a time. So I'm questioning, I'm I question stacking. I'm getting some, some sort of problem, some sort of reason to meet. I'm summarizing that. I'm asking if I missed anything. And then when I go to schedule them, I'm going to do uh, two things. I'm going to schedule a call with them on the call and get them to uh, accept the calendar invite. And then I'm going to uh, confirm the agenda again. So, hey, Mikolai, uh, just to confirm with you, the agenda of the call again is you mentioned A, B, and C. We'll definitely talk about that. And then lastly, what I'll make sure to do is share a little bit more about how we're helping companies like yours. That, that sound cool? Awesome. So like they're driving the agenda. Like I'm giving them control over what we're talking about. I'm still going to get a chance to do discovery and sell and like all that other stuff. But um, that way there's a reason. And you can throw that agenda into the calendar invite. So there's all they're seeing is things that are relevant to them versus, you know, demo, 30 minutes to explain features A, B, and C. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't even know what people actually put in their calendar invites. I hear poor stories, but usually it's yeah. something about what they want to accomplish in that call versus what the prospect might want to accomplish. <laughs> now, now I'm thinking to myself, huh, what is my HubSpot? invite. <laughs> I'm going to go check yeah. that as soon as we hang up. That's brilliant. Um, I was going to ask, so you only got a couple minutes left and before we have to jump into clubhouse. I do not want this to end. Closers, I think I know the answer, but should we have Jason back? Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, so with that, I want to kind of, I want to kind of explore a little bit about the phone. I'm fascinated mm -hmm. with, with how the phone is on this, this, this huge resurgence. And you're probably going to be like, well, Mikolai never went away. So I was going to ask you tool questions. What's the best marketing tool, uh, you know, on the market that, that you think is the best marketing tool? What's the best sales tool? And the phone is, you know, can apply. What, what, what do you got to, to tell us about tools and yeah. phone? This is a really hard question to answer, but I can give like some categorical, you know, kind of things you should be thinking about. Gotcha. Um, the best tool is the one that works with your workflow that you are the most likely to use. I think of tools like, like diets. There's no one best diet. It's not keto. It's not vegan. Like it, the best diet is the one you're most likely to be consistent with. Right. Yeah. So you need to think about your workflow and don't make the mistake of getting a tool and then, you know, creating a process that fits into that tool. Do it the exact opposite way. So with prospecting, you want a couple of different kinds of tools. You know, obviously you want a CRM. There's lots of different things with CRM. If you're a big company, you might use Salesforce or a Hub, uh, HubSpot. If you're a small company, you might use something like Pipedrive. Um, for a sales engagement tool, so for something that's going to help you manage this top of funnel activity, so think of like a CRM that's going to manage the tasks for you to get the appointment. Um, I have a bunch of recommendations, but I, I like Apollo.io. They're hmm. the tool I use. It's a tool of choice. I like them because you can sequence, send emails, make phone calls, and you have your data all in one place. Nice. So you have LinkedIn Sales Navigator essentially on steroids in one place you could sequence straight from that tool and it's got a LinkedIn plugin, a Google Chrome extension, excuse me, where you can you know, prospect from LinkedIn. So I can see someone on LinkedIn, maybe you posted something, I'm like, oh, cool. Let me mention this in an email. I can sequence you straight from LinkedIn. That's pretty badass. And then uh, the other kind of tool that you're gonna wanna think about is uh, a couple things. So with the phone, the biggest challenge is just getting people to pick up the phone, dude. <laughs> That's yeah. the hardest thing right now. So there's a couple different uh, tools that you can think of. Uh, one is called Connect Leader. And Connect Leader, 
Uh, full disclosure, I'm a part, uh, they're a partner of mine. Uh, so Connect Leader, what it's going to do is what's called agent-assisted dialing or parallel dialing. So what that means is that you can sit on the phone for an hour on a Zoom call like this, and they'll have agents dialing through your list for you, four or five people. And then when they get someone on, they'll warm transfer it to you. So wow. imagine sitting uh, in, for an hour instead of you know, using your cell phone like this and dialing or point and click on your computer, right. um, you literally have people dialing for you and then they will warm transfer. You know, imagine having six to 10 conversations in an hour. That's a way different ball game than like doing 30 calls through this thing and getting one or two people maybe and just leaving a ton of voicemails. So the goal there is not to leave voicemails, nothing like that. It's just to get the activity and the volume up. So they can do agent assisted dialing. Uh, the other thing that they can do too is more of like a power dial. Uh, so you can put your list into there and it'll dial through the list for you and you won't have to do so much clicking and pointing and that sort of thing. The other thing that I am exploring right now, um, Ryan, uh, research. So yeah. it's, is yeah, you know, Ryan, yeah. uh, Oh, you mentioned his name at the top of the episode actually. So Ryan research has got his system. He calls buckets, right? Well, he's actually got a service and there's a bunch of other companies that have services like this where, they'll have a team of people dial through your list. And what they'll do is they'll say, hey, the 100 people you have on the list, here's the 30 people that, because we called everyone five times, here are the 30 people that actually picked up during that time, and here are the 70 people that didn't. So like when you go to call, he records, and I definitely oh. recommend you guys check out Ryan Research stuff. I just oh. talked to him last week for the first time. I've been following his stuff for a long time. <laughs> he records these YouTube lives that are so cool. And it's him That's giving that data. Yeah, it's him giving that data that he's bucketed to someone like me. And he'll spend an hour and a half on a YouTube live, Facebook live with them, and they'll be dialing. And I swear, man, the person will set like five or six meetings in 90 minutes because they have like an 80% pickup rate, 70% pickup rate, because they're just dialing through the people that are most likely to pick up their cell phone. So that's a big game changer right now. If you can work with someone like him and there's, like I said, there's a bunch of other companies, you could do it yourself. If you wanted to with, a, you know, an outsourced team, maybe in India or the Philippines or whatever, but that's kind of the next frontier, um, I think, with uh, with calling and like the types of tools you should be thinking about and the type of types of services you should be leveraging. Love it, man. Um, last but not least, and I was going to ask it almost package it together because I think they go hand in hand, but I could be wrong, is what's what's uh, how many times should we follow up? You know, something that we coach on a lot is setting like doing all the kind of just removing all the roadblocks at the beginning, right? Doing all that hard work and asking the hard questions in a good way, you know, in a way that, that people feel comfortable. And the reason why you do it is because you're saying, listen, I don't want to take you down a road and get all excited if we're not going to be able to pull budget from the IT department. So let's figure out a way to do that. So internal selling is a big one for us and yep. keeping the agenda and keep in, it's not, it is follow-up, but it isn't. It's like after the, the, the this, this step, we follow up with all the things that we heard your assignment, their assignment, do you know what I mean? Um, all the next step, we've already booked the meeting. Here's what the agenda looks like. It sounds boring, but that's how people close deals faster, right? Is they just remove all the, the guesswork. Um, yep. For you, when it comes to prospecting, it's a different type of follow-up, right? We don't really, we've already had the conversation. So when you guys are following up, what is, what's a good amount? What's too much? How, any advice you have on yeah. following up? So I have a framework for this called KISS. It stands for keep it simple sequencing because people overcomplicate this a bunch. Yeah. So you're going to follow this same pattern for three weeks. 
So on day one of your sequence, you're going to do what's called a triple touch. Uh, Tony Hughes called it combo prospecting. I've heard it called triple threat, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So day one, let's say, is on a Tuesday today. Um, so you're going to do a triple touch. Uh, a, you're going to call, email, and LinkedIn all at the same time. So if you call and get their voicemail, the call to action is going to be, I'm going to, have to send you an email, and the subject line is XYZ. Send them the email, and then fire off a connection request on LinkedIn or visit their profile, something on LinkedIn. Uh, day three of the sequence, so if you did that on a Tuesday, you do this on a Thursday, you're going to call them. Voicemail is optional this time. You're going to send a follow-up email replying to the previous email, and it's going to say, any thoughts? That's it. You're going to follow that same pattern every week for three weeks. So week one is going to be focused around one core you know, problem, right? Maybe for me, week one, the email is about how uh, sales teams struggle to get the reps to want to pick up the phone and they're dealing with call reluctance. Week two might be on low email response rates. Week three might be motivation. You know, um, I'm going to pick three different topics each of those three weeks. And before you know it, that's your 12 to 15 touches which every sales engagement tool is going to tell you it takes 12 to 15 touches to get a hold of people. It's multi-channel, right? It's email and phone. LinkedIn's also optional, but you at least want to do LinkedIn and phone. And you've got that spread out over three weeks. So that's your 12 to 15 touches. Follow that same pattern for, for three weeks and you're good to go. Amazing. And you guys, you know what time it is. Unfortunately, I, I went right to the buzzer with this one. I, you know, usually you have a nice little closing question, but we don't have time. And that was so much value and so much gold. I can't even keep it together right now. Um, I, we got to have you. I'm just executive decision, man. We got to have you back. Would you join us again? Sometime sure. Absolutely, man. Yeah. This has been awesome. Closers. I told you so, right? This is amazing. Um, light up the chat box, you know, over the next, you know, couple seconds here and just show Jason some love. Uh, he, he really did us a solid by, by bestowing his brilliance on us. And uh, we really appreciate it, man. Speaking of, um, we have a big closers community. How can we support you uh yeah so i actually put together a, a pdf for you guys so uh we have we didn't talk about cold email today but we have a framework called reply method so if you're sending cold emails and you're like dude it takes me like 100 cold emails to get a meeting and my reply rates are really low and no one opens up my emails i think you'll really like the guide uh but it's free it's at blissfulprospecting.com coffee and it's just a little one pager cheat sheet for your emails there um you could do that uh, our website's blissfulprospecting.com. So we work with individuals and teams to help them with their prospecting. And then I post content every day on LinkedIn too, every weekday, uh, prospecting content. So any any one of those places is a good place to uh, connect with me. Right on. Closers, you heard that. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can get um, Ellie to throw in a couple links. Uh, if not, you heard, you heard it right here. And um, we're going to be talking about this in the clubhouse in a second here. So if you guys are joining us live, Make sure that you um, check us out. Uh, I'll have a link for the clubhouse right here. Please join us right after. Jason, unfortunately, um, you know, he's going to be uh, working another deal right after this. So uh, we, he, he, he can't join us. Um, but next time, my brother. And the next time we have you back, you guys, you don't know this, but in the pre-call, um, we both play guitar. So if you guys think it's a good idea and you're okay with it, maybe we should talk email prospecting and we'll kind of take a few breaks here and we'll jam. Does that sound good? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Jason, my brother, thank you so much for this. Um, for all our new listeners, you know, shameless plug, make sure to visit us at, at closedmedia.com to learn more about how we help uh, founders like you, you know, bring down seven figures within the first four months of our program. Um, thank you again, everybody. Closers, we'll see you in the, in the clubhouse. Jason, um, I am now officially your, your, your biggest fan. So thanks for joining us, brother. Appreciate it, man.
right, cheers. All right, so what do we think? What'd you learn? Well, if you like that, check out coffeeclosers.com for upcoming episodes, recordings, and more. And don't forget to check out our sponsors. Each one has been hand-selected. They're best in class. Until next time, we'll see you at the next Coffee and Closers. Cheers. Come on, live. Live a life we love. Gotta live. I said live. Live a life we love.